welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host each week as we go through the big storylines around the state of Wisconsin on the WSN podcast. It is getting to be a fun time of the year. I think I've said that every week, but you know what? That's okay. It is a fun time of the year each and every week of the high school sports season, but especially as we get deeper and deeper into the playoffs for a number of the fall sports. Football is into level three for 11-player football anyway. Eight-player football is heading to the state semifinals this week in the first year ever of the uh, 16-team four-level tournament for eight-player football. We are going to spend time talking about football today. We're going to do kind of a quick whip around some of the divisions. Going to pick out what I think is the best game, the the one that if I could go to any game in each division, the one that I would pick. But before we get to that, we are going to spend some time talking about the upcoming boys and girls volleyball state tournament that will be held this weekend at the Rush Center in Green Bay. Going to get into a preview of that uh, shortly with Jay Messer. WSN contributor, executive director of the Wisconsin Volleyball Coaches Association. He'll take take us through some of the storylines, some of the teams to watch, some of the uh, divisional previews for the uh, Boys and Girls State Volleyball Tournament. And then, like I said, we will get to some football content here shortly as well, uh, breaking down, uh, again, what I think is the best game in each division and uh, just moving forward in the fall state tournament series. We're already into November, which means we are also not very far from winter sports. We're only, what, a week or two weeks away from the uh, first basketball practices of the season coming up very, very soon. The first basketball games are only a few weeks away as well. So we are chugging along in 2019 already. And joining us now to talk a little more about the upcoming boys and girls volleyball tournament set for this weekend at the Rush Center in Green Bay is Jay Messer, a contributor at WSN and also the executive director of the Wisconsin Volleyball Coaches Association. Jay, certainly appreciate you joining us as we uh, get ramped up for kind of the crown jewel on the volleyball schedule at the high school level in the state of Wisconsin. Absolutely happy to be here, Travis. All right, so one of the big changes this year is the uh, the move to have a joint tournament between the boys and the girls. Previously, the boys' tournament was held, I believe, at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Is, is that right, the last few years? Correct. Um, yep, yep. And obviously the, there, yep. Yep, and the girls' tournament has, had, uh, has been at the Rush Center for, for a number of years. So uh, the WI mm-hmm. made the move to put everything under one roof, put it under one uh, tournament. And I guess the question is, how has that move been received so far leading up to the tournament, you know, going back to when it was first announced, what has kind of been the reception of a boys and girls joint state tournament? Well, I think, you know, I think with, with any, you know, pretty major decision like that, um, you know, you're going to get kind of mixed reviews. And, and I think the reception um, from, from both sides has, has been such, um, you know, I think, the uh, the city of Green Bay, um, the the tourism department there, uh, did a really good job of courting the boys. The past couple of years, they really wanted to, um, you know, put on a good show and, and prove kind of what they're what they're currently doing um, for the girls tournament um, and and try and you know invite the boys up and and really put on a good show um, for uh, for the boys programs as well. So 
Um, I think from that aspect, I think they're gonna they're gonna knock it out of the park. The city of Green Bay and and the the things that they offer um, us, and I, I believe you guys have experience with that, especially with the girls uh, basketball tournament, having been up there as well. Um, so I think yeah, I'm, I you know I, I don't think there should be any concerns as to um, the overall experience of the state tournament. Um, the the logistical aspect of you know kind of joining um, you know joining the two the the two different uh, teams there uh, is is kind of still in the works um right now the boys will be kicking off the tournament at 10 a.m and 1 a uh, 1 p.m on thursday which previously was not um there was just nothing going on during those two uh during those time periods on on thursday um and then obviously the boys have to fit in their semifinal and their final with uh kind of with the the girls structure too so uh, this year they are between the division two and division one um, sessions for both the semifinals and the finals. So um, I think it's, I think it's going to be, it's, it'll be different. It'll be very, you know, exciting. And I think there's a lot of opportunity um, for the boys game to grow. I think that's kind of the intent of, of combining the the two tournaments is, you know, we can provide a volleyball weekend, a volleyball showcase um, type of show, um, again, to kind of showcase our uh, our really good athletes, both boys and girls, um, in the state of Wisconsin, all under one roof. So I think I think it's going to be really good, a really good thing. It's I believe the first in the in the nation. Um, we're we're one of the few states that actually has boys volleyball in the fall. Um, so to, to be able to combine them and make this a, a, a really big thing, a really exciting thing, I think is great for, for everybody, um, both boys and girls. Currently, there are, uh, according to the WI, there are 60 boys programs in the state of Wisconsin compared to 475 girls programs in the state of Wisconsin. So uh, as you can imagine, many of the uh, boys programs are at larger schools, many in the southeast part of the state, a few here and there in uh, the Fox Valley and the Madison area. But uh, like you said, I think one of the, the hopes for the WIAA is that it does potentially boost the profile of uh, of the boys' game and try to get some uh, try to get some more boys players involved, more boys teams involved as uh-huh. well. So that's uh, one of the big headlines coming into the state volleyball tournament. Of course, is the addition of the boys uh, under the uh, under the field. Um, what are some of the other storylines in terms of teams, players, uh, streaks, champions, anything like that heading into the uh, Boys and Girls Volleyball Tournament this weekend? Well, you know, and, and speaking specifically um, uh, of the girls side, that's kind of who, who we work with currently, um, you know, more so, more so than the boys side. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's, I think there's a lot of excitement um, with, with this year's um, field. Uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of new faces, um, particularly with the smaller schools, um, you know, and, and then you have obviously a nice mix of, of perennial powerhouses that also qualified. Um, this is the first year that they, um, are seeding one through, you know, one through everybody. And uh, last year for division one, we kind of tested, um, the one through four and then a random draw model. And that was, while that was successful. I think it was agreed upon that we're just going to seed one through eight and for divisions one or for division one, and then one through four for divisions two through four, um, which kind of follows, I think, believe basketball did that last year. Um, softball did it the year before as well. So um, kind of a natural progression into, into that. So um, 
I think I think there's some really interesting matchups, um, particularly um, you know from teams that are are no strangers to each other. Speaking specifically of the Division One field, you have eight really good teams, um, and uh, I have seen several of them personally, whether it's playing against them um, or uh, um, or seeing them at tournaments and such. Um, and there's going to be some really good some really good battles. Um, a couple of a couple of uh, Things to point out: um, Burlington, who got the four seed, is is a two-time defending state champion, um, and they're definitely a team that I do not want to face in the postseason. Um, for for some um, somehow, Terry and and Dan do a really good job of uh, of getting their kids ready to to compete uh, for for the postseason, and they actually draw a conference opponent, Union Grove. Um, who's the, I believe there for the first time since 1985, that's before I was born. So um, the Union Grove is making a, their first trip in a long time, and uh, they get rewarded by playing a, uh, a team from not only their conference, but the defending state champions. So um, that'll, I think that'll be an interesting matchup. I believe that's the, the night session. Uh, they're in the second session. Um, Kettle Moraine uh, is making, which surprises me, is making their first trip. They've had quite a program. Um, Coach Peterson over there has done a really good job getting his kids ready, and they play in such a ruthless um, Classic Eight conference that has three teams uh, that qualified again this year for the second straight year. So this uh, Arrowhead is the top seed. I think they are a uh, a team that is they're so big and physical, and um, I mean they just they just have blasted through their season. Um, they've taken apart some really good teams along the way as well. And they're a really good tournament team. There's, you know, there are, there are teams that are, 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 that excel, you know, in a, in a single match, best of five. And then there are teams that just play really well on weekends. And I think, um, last year Arrowhead was, was kind of surprised by, um, by Waukesha West in a, in a state quarterfinal. I think this year they're going to, they're going to put that behind them and be ready to, uh, be ready to rumble in the, uh, into the postseason. So, um, also the second seed, Oconomowoc, uh, lost to Arrowhead in conference play. Um, I think they are also, they're, they're a little different, have a little different makeup than Arrowhead, um, which could, you know, could play into their favor. Um, if they, if they do meet their conference rival in the, in the final. Um, but, um, I mean that classic eight conference, those, those Western suburbs of Milwaukee are just brutal in terms of, <laughs> in terms of the level of competition that they play at and their, their weekend strength of schedules are just, are just phenomenal. Um, and, and River speaking, Fall, to, speaking to some of those, uh, Milwaukee suburban schools you mentioned, is there any, I guess, concern or is it, is it anything beyond just noteworthy that five of the eight teams in division one are from that Southeast uh, area of the state and kind of heavily dominated by that that area in Division One. We've 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 tried to come up with a few um, you know options as far as you know trying to split up um, you know try, try to come up with a way to better organize that part of the state. But you know, unfortunately, it's ge- geography is not not in in those teams' favor. It's it's really hard to split. Um, you know, to split up sectionals in a way when, when you're literally 10 miles away from, you know, your probably biggest rival when you've got the top two ranked teams in the state, um, you know, that are, you know, within a, a half hour drive from one another. It's, it's really hard to separate, um, you know, to separate that out. Um, you know, we're, we're working with our contingency. There's a, a couple of coaches from that area 
that have come up with, you know, kind of a, um, a plan that's still very much in the, you know, in the um, research process um, to try and, you know, to try and come up with, with maybe a, a different solution as to how to get a better, um, you know, maybe a better balance between those sectionals. Um, you know, sectional five has, which, which is Arrowhead, Brookfield Central, Divine Savior, Holy Angels, um, Hamilton, uh, Menominee Falls. You know that that's a pretty rough, <laughs> that's a pretty rough sectional um, to be in. And and you know, I think that there is um, there there are some options out there that we can you know kind of look into to see if there's a better way to distribute um, you know, to distribute those teams accordingly. But you know it's going to take a little bit of you know take a little bit of research and and some you know lat, you know latitude from from those who make the final decisions as to how that gets done. But, you know, to be, you know, there definitely is, <laughs> definitely is some, some, uh, some unhappy folks out in the Western suburbs and, and perhaps rightfully so. So division one looking stacked as it, as it so often does, uh, what are some of the storylines or what are some of the top teams that we're looking for, or even top individuals from divisions two, three, and four, as we move down the line? Sure. I think um, I, I think what's really exciting, um, personally, I think I'm most excited about Division Two, and that's not just because they're the second biggest set of schools, but there are so many interesting storylines with Division Two, especially from um, from your neighbors uh, McFarland down there. I mean, they they came through a really what, what I would say is the strongest Division Two section all this year, um, and and frankly, kind of surprised I think a lot of teams. Um, Coach Fortune down there. Um, has her kids playing their best volleyball um, at the end of the season. I mean, they beat East Troy in the regular season, and I think uh, East Troy had won the Rock Valley forever. I mean, for years and years and years. And um, that, I think, was was kind of their turning point, um, having having beaten East Troy. Um, uh, kind of set them up for a really good postseason run. Um, they ended up beating, I believe it was um, Platteville, who was also ranked in the state. Um, and then, and then, surprised me. I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. They they beat uh, Lakeside Lutheran, who I thought was was probably the best team in Division Two for most of the year um, in the sectional final. So I'm excited to see what what McFarland can do um, now on the big stage. They've they've broken through a really a really brutal sectional, and uh, and we'll have a chance to kind of show their stuff at uh, at the Rush Center. Um, you know, Wisconsin Lutheran is back. I said they're 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 in our conference. Um, I coach at Greendale, and we saw them several times this year. Um, and they are solid and steady. And I think that they're going to to also be um, a really have a really good battle with Luxembourg Casco, um, which we also saw uh, the postseason or during a during a regular season tournament. Um, and I think that you know that is going to be a really interesting. A field altogether. Bloomer is, in, is the fourth team that makes it out of uh, the northwestern part of the state, and I think that they've, you know, they kind of are, are a uh, um, a, pro- a product of, of geography as well. I said they're that Division Two sectional is so geographically expansive. I believe it goes from Lacrosse basically to Eagle River to Superior. That's the you know, pretty much the expanse of Division Two up there, by far the most, um, you know, wide open <laughs> geographically uh, sectional in the state. And, uh, you know, they're so during the season, Bloomer will play teams like, you know, the smaller schools that are typically have had success at the state tournament, like the Claytons and the Colfaxes and the Camerons um, and then the River Falls as well. But 
you know, as far as Division Two goes, they're kind of they've kind of been off the radar, I think, of in terms of statewide recognition. So I'm excited to see what what Coach Bowl will bring down um, in in Division Two. Um, you know, moving on to uh, to divisions three and four, um, I think division you know division three is is going to be uh, going to be interesting in, in the fact that you've got again you've got a newcomer in Salt Creek, um, you've got um, Aquinas who finally broke through um, from the from sectional one, beating Grantsburg in the final. Grantsburg is obviously a perennial powerhouse; they're there at state quite a bit. Um, but really, I think division three has been dominated all year by by Howard Grove and Waterloo. Um, those two programs actually met at a at a neutral tournament. I believe it was at the the Stink Center here in Milwaukee, and Waterloo actually beat them um, head to head. But Howard's Grove and Waterloo collectively, they're they've played Division One teams pretty much the entire year. Um, Howard's Grove has wins over, I believe it's over Kettle Moraine, um, some of the Oshkosh schools, and and, and they just <laughs> the two of them. I'm excited to see because that's. That is not your stereotypical Division Three match. Both of those programs are going to have some some college-bound uh, athletes on them if they don't already. Um, and you know, Division One, I, I would think, um, college-bound athletes and you know, two really well-coached programs, and uh, that should set up a a really interesting final. Should should they take care of business in semifinals? Um, Division Four, um, you know, the the top the top-ranked team all year has been Clear Lake. Um, they've never been to state <laughs> before. Um, they've kind of they've kind of been in the shadow of Clayton, um, conference rival and six mile away <laughs> um, rival Clayton for years. Um, finally, they broke through. Um, Coach Strozek has a really great team. They're 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 big. They're physical, um, and they uh, you know are undefeated. Uh, they're I believe the only undefeated team who who made it to state this year. So. Um, this this will be a big stage for them to to, to prove that you know they are <laughs> that they not that, not necessarily they belong they've obviously proven that but you know I think that they have some statements left to make um, so it'll be exciting to see what um, what Clear Lake will do um, I, I Division Four I believe this is probably Catholic Central's to lose they have a lot of experience um, they have you know some really their their strength of schedule is very very strong um, typically again being in the you know greater Milwaukee suburban area, they're playing um, lots of lots of high level competition, and uh, you know I think they're 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 bringing back two phenomenal athletes that would you know I believe be able to compete at at a, on a Division One team um, as well. So um, you know I and then you have <laughs> the other two teams, which obviously are no slouches either, are is Newman Catholic, who's there every single year, um, you know. Uh, Coach Lang up there does a really good job of of getting her kids ready for a tournament. I believe they're barely 500 on the year, but um, again, they're they're a team that that turns it up for the postseason, and um, they've got a lot of uh, postseason experience and tournament experience. Um, I mean, they won four titles from 2013 to 2016. So um, again, I, I, that's not a team that I would necessarily want to face in the first round. Um, and then you have the, the fourth team is, is Hillsborough, who actually I believe got the third seat. But um, you know, they're they've quietly put together. Coach uh, Coach Sullivan has quietly put together a really good year for them. And um, I believe they won uh, they won their conference. They beat Royal a few times um, to to win the Scenic Bluffs. And um, 
you know, that's, that's another team with a lot of tournament experience. They've been there. Um, they were said, I believe five straight years from 2003 to 2007, obviously we're a little bit removed from that, but you know, he, he has, he typically has his program, you know, it's a solid, small school program with, with lots of expectations and you never know, you know, you never know when, uh, when you get to the, to the state tournament level, you know, what happens, um, history may be on Hillsborough side, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's just a lot of interesting storylines with, with this year's field. And, uh, I think it's going to make for a pretty exciting tournament. Uh, Jay Messer, the executive director at the Wisconsin Volleyball Coaches Association has been our guest as we preview the Boys and Girls State Tournament. Jay, uh, really appreciate you providing some insight today for us as we uh, as we get ready for that tournament this weekend. Uh, hopefully will be some great matches and uh, obviously uh, a big weekend with a little bit of a tweak to the schedule as we talked about the boys joining the girls and as you ran through some really outstanding teams, some big storylines heading into the state tournament. Jay, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Sure thing. Thanks, Travis. So there you go. Great conversation with Jay, who was good enough to join us for a few minutes to uh, to give us some perspective on the upcoming boys and girls volleyball state tournaments. And now it's time to turn our attention to the high school football playoffs, which again are into level three, the state quarterfinals, if you will. If you are like our buddy John Casper and not a fan of the level uh, nomenclature that the WIA uses for uh, for football, you can call it the state quarterfinals if you want, but we will call it level three. And in level three, we're going to take a look at each division and the best game, in my opinion, in each division coming up this weekend. We'll start in division one. And my pick, the game that I would go to out of any, and there's obviously some really good ones to pick from, but I will go with Muskego and Franklin. This is a rematch from a game last year that uh, the teams met uh, at the time were undefeated last year. A big game, and this is going to be another big game. Muskego, of course, the defending state champion. Franklin, their only loss was way back in week one to Fond du Lac in a non-conference game. They were breaking in a new quarterback, Miles Burkett, um, through a couple pick sixes in the first quarter. And uh, Franklin wasn't quite able to dig out of the hole and lost a close one to Fond du Lac in that one. But Burkett has really come on and uh, has established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the state. And he's just a sophomore, which is kind of scary to think about. But uh, in this one, uh, again, Franklin and Muskego, two powerhouse programs, two teams that uh, obviously were, um, you know, had big expectations coming into the season. And uh, one that last year went in Muskego's favor. They were able to run the football uh, effectively against Franklin. And Muskego has been able to run the football effectively uh, much of the time this year as well. As the year has gone on, they have utilized Alec. Alex Current in the uh, running game more and more, um, got him involved. Uh, he kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start, but they found a balance with him, uh, Bolski at fullback, and uh, that wing T offense, obviously difficult to stop. Franklin, uh, again, Miles Burkett has really improved his play over the course of the season. And, you know, we, we saw some bad weather conditions last week, and uh, some of the, uh, the teams that threw the football uh, a lot kind of struggled, but Franklin was able to get the job done and their running game, you know, they, they don't have a dominating running back, but they have been effective enough to be able to get the job done. And of course, uh, 
always a very strong offensive line group there under our good friend Mike Beck, even if he does give me a hard time sometimes uh, about my Franklin picks. But uh, really dynamic uh, offense that they have there. And again, you know, even in a bad conditions, um, you know, I think they can uh, get some things done. But my pick, as you saw on Wisports this week, uh, I, I am taking Muskego to get through in this one. In Division Two, uh, again, some very interesting games to, to go through here, but I'm going to take Hartford and Wanakee as my best game in Division Two. Hartford, of course, the only undefeated team in Division Two entering the playoffs. They still are undefeated, have not allowed a point yet in the postseason. It's kind of been a different story for Wanakee. The Warriors, the last three games, if you go back to that Week 9 loss to DeForest, they really have struggled. It's been a, a struggle for Pat Rice and company. Um, you know, have, have battled injuries at different times throughout the year, continue to battle injuries. They've gotten some guys back, had some guys go out, uh, just haven't been able to get a great amount of uh, consistency going, and it has hurt them. Going back to level one, uh, they had to... Uh, win a, a really competitive game with Monona Grove. That was 0-0 at halftime in that one before Wanakee pulled away for a 21-6 win. And then last week against Milton, they were down 21-7 in the second quarter, but came back and ended up winning that one over Milton. Um, you know, just something that seemed a little bit off about Wanakee the last you know few weeks. And you could even go back to uh, a game that they had against uh, Reedsburg where uh, Wanakee had to score late in the fourth quarter to beat Reedsburg. Uh, late in the season. So, you know, just not humming along at, at uh, you know, the 100% that you would like to be at this point of the year. Um, but Hartford, you know, they haven't allowed a point, which is great for their defense. But as the season gets later and later, as I've talked about before, you do start to have some concerns about teams that like to throw the football a lot. And Hartford is a team that likes to throw the football quite a bit. Jake Frantel has done an outstanding job at the quarterback spot for the Orioles this year. And uh, I picked them to win state. I, I picked them to win this game, but that is certainly a concern. And, and again, especially if the, the weather, as we anticipate, isn't the greatest on Friday. Even if it's not snowing and, and whatnot, it's, it's going to be cold. It's, it's going to be hard to throw the football in a lot of places, um, but that's the one I would pick in Division Two. In Division Three, I would go with Menominee and Medford as my best game and the one that I would have the uh, most amount of interest in. Um, you know, apologies to a couple of great rematches between Eisenhower and Plymouth, as well as West Appear and Menasha. But uh, Medford is a team that's undefeated. They, you know, weren't challenged significantly in the regular season in the Great Northern Conference, um, but they certainly took past a big step, uh, big test last week when they took down River Falls 16 to 14. River Falls had been a co-champion in the Big Rivers Conference. Now they get the other co-champion in the Big Rivers Conference, Menominee. Kind of like uh, Wanakee, we, we talked about earlier, Menominee has been some uh, been beat up this year some, um, but they have gotten the job done. They, uh, they easily handled Lakeland in level one, didn't have too many problems with New Richmond in level two, um, but this is going to be a different story, a different type of game that they're going to have against Medford. Medford is a very physical football team, defensive-oriented, uh, love to run the football, Ian Wilson, uh, no relation, by the way, uh, one of the top running backs in the state and uh, might be the top in terms of carries, total number of carries. He just pounds away uh, for his uh, his father, Ted Wilson, the head coach there. Um, so that's one that I'm really interested to see if uh, you know a, a win obviously gets 
either team into the state semifinals, which is huge, but it, it certainly would validate uh, Medford in a big, big way if they're able to get another win over a Big Rivers, uh, big Rivers opponent here in, uh, in level three. In Division Four, to me, it, it's all about Catholic Memorial and Lake Mills. I really uh, think, and said so before the, the playoffs started, that I felt these were the top two teams in the state in uh, Division Four. Unfortunately, they get matched up here in Level 3, get placed in the same regional grouping. Both teams have taken care of business as we expected. Uh, Catholic Memorial still has not allowed a point. Obviously, a, uh, you know, a lot of discussion, some controversy, some uh, upset people about Catholic Memorial ending up in Division 4. And uh, they have certainly held up their end of the bargain. Lake Mills, now they did have a, a tough one last week against Martin Luther. The score you know, kind of makes it look worse than it was. 54-28, Lake Mills won. But they actually trailed in that one in the third quarter before Adam Moen took over and, and Lake Mills uh, scored five straight touchdowns to close that game out. But speaking of Adam Moen, holy cow, what he has done this year is incredible. He has a chance to... Uh, to challenge some records this year. He's only a junior, but he's got a chance to challenge some records for total yards of offense, total touchdowns responsible for, if Lake Mills is able to win in this one. Um, he has just been incredible, especially here in the playoffs. Last week, he had over 550 total yards of offense, was responsible for seven touchdowns. He's going to have to have a huge game for Lake Mills to uh, be able to spring an upset. I really like Lake Mills, not just Moen, even though he accounts for about 90% of their offense. Um, I saw them against Onalaska, and uh, and they obviously did some really good things in that one. They beat Onalaska earlier this year, a larger program, uh, the champions of the Mississippi Valley. But uh, it, it's going to be tough for Lake Mills, I think. Um, Catholic Memorial just has so much talent up and down that roster. You know, we're still waiting a little bit for Luke Fox, the quarterback at Catholic Memorial, to kind of have that defining uh, moment we saw him have in uh, in the playoffs last year, especially that state title game comeback against West Pier. Especially in this one where, again, it's cold, it's, it's not going to be great to throw the football maybe. We could see him kind of get unleashed running the football a little bit more. And, and that is a really fun matchup to watch between Fox, the quarterback from Catholic Memorial, and Adam Moen, the quarterback, from Lake Mills. In Division 5, it's all about Northwestern and Stratford. Now, I really like the Lake Country Lutheran's uh, St. Catharines game as well. Both teams got uh, really, really uh, big-time scares last week before advancing, but Stratford and Northwestern, this is the one that I think perhaps as much as any game in the state uh, people have been anticipating in the playoffs. There was controversy in the seeding process where, you know, Stratford still has not allowed a point. They allowed less than 100 yards of offense in the regular season, and most people felt that they would be the one seed, even though Northwestern was also undefeated, coming from a, a larger conference in the heart of the North Conference. Um, but in large part because Northwestern had three other teams from their conference in that regional grouping, there ended up being a tie in the vote between those two teams, and it went to a coin flip to see who would be the one seed and get the home game in level three. And Northwestern won the coin flip, got the one seed, Stratford got a two seed, and there was quite a few people wondering how that could happen when Stratford had not allowed a point, had allowed less than 100 yards of offense. So 
Long story short, Stratford has taken care of business in a big way. They have continued that scoreless streak. They have put a hurting on Spooner and Spencer Columbus Catholic in the playoffs. Um, you know, playing a little bit with a chip on their shoulder. Conversely, Northwestern, I think, playing with a chip on their shoulder as well. You know, I, I think there's some uh, feeling there that, uh, you know, they went undefeated in a conference that is uh, generally pretty strong and deserved a one seed. And, you know, the the outcry about Stratford not getting the one seed, I think, you know, kind of rankled some feathers there in Northwestern and, and certainly given them some extra motivation. But, you know, if, if there was any game in the state, regardless of division, that I could go to this week, this would be way, way up there, maybe at number one. I did pick Stratford to get through this one, um, but it will be interesting to see how competitive that game is either way, whether Northwestern wins or Stratford wins. And if that scoreless streak of Stratford, which is now at 11 games, if that continues, I would be surprised, to be quite honest with you, if Northwestern does not score on Stratford. I think they will, but I think Stratford ultimately uh, will win that game. In Division Six, a couple really big ones, um, Mondovi and Mineral Point, two undefeated teams, but I would pick Racine Lutheran and St. Mary Springs. So many storylines in this one. For Racine Lutheran last week, of course, Tyler Tenner became the state's all-time career rushing leader. He's uh, in a place where he could go over 7,000 yards, become the first player in state history to do that. Racine Lutheran was the runners-up in D6 last year. They're undefeated this year, have some very impressive wins under their belt. St. Mary Springs took a couple losses early, uncharacteristically, um, made a, a number of mistakes against Lake Country Lutheran and uh, Amherst as well. But they've rebounded and have looked very, very good since then. They've gotten some guys back. Uh, and healthy that are making some big contributions. And this was a, a tough one to pick, uh, to be quite honest with you. Before the playoffs this week, as I've been looking through things, and as much as I like Racine Lutheran, what they've been able to do, and how good Tyler Tenner is, it just seems like Bob Hyland would find a way to be able to slow down or, or in some way contain Tenner and take advantage of um, you know, some depth on St. Mary Springs and, uh, and wear down that Racine Lutheran team with the veer offense that Springs runs. I did take Springs to win this one and ultimately get to a state championship game, but this should be a great one. Uh, move to Union Grove High School, uh, which is actually where Racine Lutheran has had all of their playoff games so far. Um, but man, this is, uh, this is a big one with a lot going on. In Division 7, I think it's pretty clear that the biggest game in Division 7 is a matchup between undefeated teams Hilbert and Lourdes Academy. Hilbert got quite a scare from Rosholt in, in Level 1. Very surprising um, that that one was as close as it was. But then they rebounded and, and didn't really have any problems with Catholic Central last week. Lourdes Academy hasn't had any problems with either Hillsborough or Reedsville to this point. Um, but they have not played, uh, you know, uh, obviously a team at, at Hilbert's uh, ability quite yet. Hillsboro was a seven, Reedsville was a six. Um, so this is going to be, you know, the first really outstanding opponent for either of these teams for a couple of weeks. Uh, again, even though Hilbert did get quite a challenge from Rosholt uh, just a couple weeks ago. Interesting, you know, we, we talked to Kevin Wolpat, uh, Wolpat from uh, Loris Academy last week and asked him, uh, talked to him on Football Friday Night, asked him about how the seeding went in that region with, uh, you know, how do you figure which team gets the one and which team gets the two? And he said it, you know, it, it kind of went as expected. Hilbert, uh, 
you know, has a, a little bit larger competition in their in their league in the Big East Conference. And uh, Loris plays a little bit smaller competition in the Trailway Small, which, you know, kind of ended up being the, um, you know, a deciding factor, if you will. Um, Loris Academy did not have any conference teams in with them. Hilbert only had one, um, but, you know, it ended up that Hilbert got the one seed. Kind of interesting that this game will be played at Hilbert, at least as of right now. Things are still scheduled at Hilbert. They played their first two playoff games at Brilliant because of field conditions at their own field. Um, but maybe things have gotten better. Uh, maybe it's just at the point of the year where it doesn't really matter where you go unless you're on turf. Um, you know, things are, are going to be a little, a uh, little iffy, a little dicey, uh, no matter where you go. So that's the big one, I think, in D7. In the other three regionals, it's, uh, as we've talked about before, it's all about those top three teams, Bangor, Blackhawk, Warren, and Edgar. Um, you know, would be very surprised if, if those teams did not advance and, and potentially pretty convincingly. Do want to uh, highlight and, and mention certainly the eight-player playoffs as well, which as we uh, talked about before, are into the state semifinals this week. So all the one seeds still alive in both our regular season rematches, Luck and Shell Lake. Luck won that one, uh, the first game pretty convincingly between those two teams, and Belmont and Newman Catholic. Newman Catholic won pretty convincingly the first time around over Belmont. But Newman Catholic also, last year, lost to a team in the state semifinals that they had beaten during the regular season, Sevastopol, who ended up being the state champion. Um, but I like Newman Catholic to get past uh, Belmont, and I like Luck to advance, uh, which would set up a potential state title game between Luck and Newman Catholic. A lot of storylines in that one, potentially next week, that we would talk about a little bit more and explore a little bit more. Um, but that's my pick. Uh, those are my picks in uh, eight-player football. To advance. So, uh, a pretty jam-packed WSN podcast this week. Obviously, as as you would expect, with so much going on. Um, in addition to the volleyball tournament, state tournament that we talked about, the uh, boys soccer state tournament is held this week at Eline Soccer Park down in the Milwaukee area. You can check out the WIAA preview uh, on WSN on the soccer page there. Uh, football into level three eight player into the state semifinals, um, you know, boys and girls volleyball getting underway uh, for their state tournament. Girls basketball practice starts next week. It is a busy, busy time. You're going to want to make sure that you stay glued to WSN throughout the next few weeks is uh, there's going to be a ton of content coming out. We're going to have some uh, awards start to come out pretty soon. Some postseason awards, obviously, um, you know, champions are going to be crowned in, uh, in some of these sports as well. So, Really looking forward to a fun, fun couple of weeks. I am Travis Wilson, general manager at WISSports.net. This has been a WISSports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game.